I got a question for you. What do you do when you have more questions than answers? What do you do when your plan is not working out? What do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when you're tired and weary? If you've ever felt some of those experiences in your own heart, you're going to love what we're talking about today. I'm going to share with you how God provides for our needs. I've titled the message, Poured Out and Filled Up, and I want you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4, we're going to see a widow who is in great need and how God takes care of her. And when we're struggling and we feel like we don't have what we need, that's exactly the moment we need to turn to God. We need to turn to Him. This woman who is the subject of the story, 2 Kings chapter 4, is a, is a widow. <clears throat> she is uh, a lady that is in great debt. Her husband has died. Women in the ancient world did not work. And she has no source of income. Her children are about to be taken from her because of the debt that she owes. And in ancient times, you could take children and force them into slavery to, uh, to make them pay the debt down. And so this panicked single mom, this widow, is doing everything she can do to make sure that this does not happen to her family. And she has tried everything. She has no other solutions. And she finally comes to Elisha the prophet. <clears throat> the series that we've been in is called Breakthrough. And I've titled it Breakthrough because it's all about the life of Elisha. But Elisha was the guy that was always helping people break through to the power of God. Earlier, 2 Kings chapter 3, he saves three kings from losing their armies. And a little bit after this text, at the end of chapter 4, Elisha helps a Shunammite woman have a baby um, and he uh, also raises that son from the dead. Um, and uh, obviously her and her husband were struggling to have that child. And, and Elisha helped, helped them bear that son that they so much desired. Everywhere Elisha goes, the power of God shows up. I love Elisha because he's, he's, he's a walking miracle everywhere he turns. But let's look today, 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through Seven, as we see this experience of a widow who is about to lose everything she's got, and Elisha helps her get a breakthrough to her financial problem. Um, there's angst in her voice. Her husband is uh, gone, and she is the wife of one of the sons of the prophets. Now, in the Old Testament, Elisha and Elijah had a group called the sons of the prophets. They were they were a group of, of young pastors or ministers that studied and they served under the leadership of Elisha and Elijah. They were constantly helping, serving. They lived together um, in, a, in a community. Some were married, some were not. But this widow is one of the wives of the sons of the prophets. So she's a woman of faith. She's a woman of character. She's a woman of courage. She loves the Lord. And, and she's got a question. And, and, and I think this woman is wrestling with a question that maybe some of us are wrestling with today. Um, how, can, 
How can I be faithful to God? How can I love the Lord? How can I serve the Lord? How can I uh, give to others? How can I do all these things and still have needs in my own life? And uh, that's the undercurrent of this ask to Elisha. Look, at the, look with me in, at the scripture here in verse 1. One of the wives of the sons of the prophet cried out to Elisha, <clears throat> Your servant, my husband, has died. You know that your servant feared the Lord. Now the, the creditor is coming to take my two children as his slaves. And Elisha asked her, What can I do for you? Here's the first step to seeing God's provision in your life. Number one, ask Ask for what you need. Ask for what you need. Now, I know this was a hard ask for this woman because, because nobody likes to ask for help. And, and sometimes pride, honestly, can be the enemy. And, and maybe your miracle today is, is being damned up because you, you, you won't ask for help. But the woman asked God for help. I think that's kind of implied but she asked the prophet Elisha for help. And there's something to be seen here. I think it's easier to ask God for help than it is to ask others for help. But there may be times and places in your life when you need to do both. And we ought to pray and we ought to talk to God first. But we also ought to talk to other people. And we ought to ask them for help. And Elisha's called the man of God. And so she's like, well, I got a question <clears throat> about God. I need to find Elisha. My husband was one of the sons of the prophets. Elisha's been my spiritual leader. Where's Elisha? Elisha, I got a question for you. And she asked this question. Elisha, what am I to do? I'm in debt. And I don't know what to do. Maybe you've been in debt before. Maybe you've had creditors that have been coming after you. People calling you on the phone, making threats, bill collectors. Maybe you've come home and the electricity or the water has been shut off because you didn't pay the bill. Maybe you took out a credit card in the name of your preschooler because you didn't have any credit. Or maybe you actually hid your car so it wouldn't get repossessed. If you've ever been that desperate, you, you know exactly what this woman is facing. But she asked the prophet for help. And it's a good thing to ask for help. If you have a need in your life, ask for help. Elisha, what should I do? And I love Elisha's response. He, he asked two questions back. He's like, what, what, what do you need and then what do you have are the two questions that he responds with. But, but this woman is just inquiring. Um, we should ask people for help. She spent all this time stressing out thinking about what she didn't have, and she's not being selfish or ostentatious. She legitimately has a need. They're going to take my kids. i got to do something. Elisha, what should I do? And Elisha begins to help her. Elisha helps this desperate woman. Sometimes you have to get desperate before you can get delivered. And that's exactly what's going on in her heart. But what you do first will affect what happens next. And her going and asking Elisha what to do sets everything else in this story in motion. The second thing that we see is that we have to work with what we've got. Now look at this right here in verse 2. Elisha asked her, 
what can I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your servant has nothing in the house except for a jar of oil. I got nothing, basically, she says, except a jar of oil. She, she almost forgets to mention the jar of oil because it's, it's so much, you know, it's, it's so insignificant. It probably wasn't much oil. And, that's, and when she said that's all she had, that's, that's probably about it. Any one of us would be considered extremely wealthy compared to this woman in the ancient world who said she had nothing but a little jar of oil. But we're going to see here that God is going to take what she has and he's going to perform a miraculous act. But it started with what she had. With what she had. And you have more than you think you do. By the way, if you don't have it, you don't need it. Because if you needed it, God would have already given it to you. So if you don't have it, you don't need it. So quit stressing about it. Amen? Somebody can just put in the chat, hallelujah, amen. If you don't have it, you don't need it. If you need it, God's going to provide it for you. But a few years ago, Gina and I were wanting to start a small real estate business. And it had been a desire of mine for a long time. And I kept feeling like I don't have the money. And I don't have the knowledge and I don't have the relationships and I don't have the whatever. And I was reading books and <clears throat> thinking about all this stuff, but I just needed somebody to help me. And we were on an airplane to Austin, Texas, and I pulled out one of my real estate books and Gina and I were talking about it. And the lady sitting next to us said, are you guys real estate investors? And I said, uh, we are real estate investor wannabes. Like we would like to be, but not really, and, and uh, that began a relationship that helped us to get our real estate stuff started. What a blessing, man. And you know what she helped me to understand? Even though I didn't have a lot of money and even though I didn't have a lot, I had more than I thought that I had. And the little bit that I had, she helped me begin to turn into uh, a startup business. It was awesome. And it was amazing. And I share that with you today because sometimes people ask, does God care about my business? And I want you to know absolutely, yes, he does. God cares about your livelihood. God cares about your business. God is the greatest business partner you will ever know. And if you will pray to him and ask him for help, God will direct you and lead you and help you in ways that you thought were Unprecedented, But some of us feel like we don't have enough. I can't fulfill my dreams. I can't do what I want to do because I, I have such a lack. But, but could I submit to you today, you probably have more than you think that you have. And that was certainly the case with the widow. The widow minimizes what she has <clears throat> and she focuses on her problems so much that she doesn't see what she does have. My husband died. The creditors are coming. I'm afraid. I got to feed these kids. See, we have two thoughts. We can focus on what we don't have or we can focus on what we do have. And, and we got we to gotta look there and say, I got to work with what I've got. I got to work with what I've got. Uh, a couple of days ago, we got our uh, stimulus, the CARES Money Act, automatically 
deposited into our bank account. And Gina was like, Ryan, it just appeared. And I was like, hallelujah. I love that kind of money. It's awesome. Just showed up in the bank account. But you know, oftentimes God's provision for us requires a little bit of faithfulness, a little bit of work, and a little bit of diligence. And one of those areas that God challenges this woman in is to go out and to gather up these jars. Now, I want to get to that in just a minute. But it starts with the oil. It starts with the oil. The woman has some oil, and she's going to put the oil to work to create more oil. How about that? God's provision most of the time is more like the widow than it is about automatic deposits into our bank accounts. So if you have provision, if you have need, today look at this story here. Use what you've got. Okay? Now the woman's going to use what she's got. But the Bible's got lots of examples of people who used what they had and didn't have a lot. In Judges chapter 3, there's a guy by the name of Shamgar. And Shamgar is under the oppression of the Philistines, and they take all the weapons from the Israelites, and they're all living under, you know, in caves and under rocks, and they can't grow uh, their uh, plants and their crops, and they don't have anything to eat, and, and the Israelites want to rise up against the Philistines, but they don't have any weapons. But <clears throat> I love this guy Shamgar because he kills 600 guys with a cattle prod. He was like a ninja. I don't have a sword, I don't have a bow and arrow, I don't have a knife, what do I have? I got a cattle prod, I will cattle prod my way to freedom and to victory, amen. I love that, use what you've got. Moses had a staff, In chapter 4 verse 2 of Exodus, God says to Moses, what is in your hand? Moses is giving excuses. I, I can't liberate the people. I, Pharaoh's big and bad. Nobody listens to me. What is in your hand, Moses? A staff. He throws the staff down. It turns into a snake. God says, I'm with you. I'm sending you. What does Moses do when he goes into the presence of Pharaoh? Throws the stick down. It becomes a snake. Moses saw his staff as a stick. God saw that as a miracle working opportunity for Moses. Moses lifts his staff and he parts the Red Sea. Use what you've got. Samson used the jawbone of a donkey. Uh, a little boy used his lunchbox in Mark chapter 6 and brought it to Jesus. And Jesus fed 5,000 with the fishes and the loaves. Uh, use what you've got. Now, what do you have, man? What do you've got? You may have experience. You may have connections. You, you may have education. You may have uh, youthful energy. You, you may have some, you have more in your house. You have more in your life than you think that you do. For this woman, it's a little jar of oil. But you got more than you think you do. We got to be unconventional and creative sometimes when it comes to provision. Now, the woman had two things. She had a little jar of oil 
But she also had a word from God. (laughs) I mean, think about this. If you will put your resources plus a word from God, kaboom, in your spiritual life. That's when God does his greatest work. God, these are the resources that I have. This is what your word says about it. Shazam. Wow. Here we go. So she has a word from God. And the word from God is, go gather all of the vessels that you can gather up around town. And start pouring the jar of oil that you have into the empty vessels and keep pouring. And God multiplies the oil. As long as she has the strength and the stamina and the vessels to pour into, she is pouring, 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 pouring. Use what you've got. Use what you've got. You don't need a hundred words from God. You need one word from God. And that one word from God can transform your life and your experience. When we started our church, we didn't have a building. We didn't have a place to meet. What did we have? My living room? My basement? My garage? (laughs) That's what we had. We started with what we had. And, you know, we could have sat around and said, well, we don't have a place to meet. We can't do this. We can't. No, you work with what you've got. And we started a little Bible study, and that grew, and then we met in a school, and then we we met in a bigger school, and then we we moved into our campus and leased it, and then we purchased this building that we're in today. And, 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 And we worked with what we had. It was exactly what God wanted for us. A few weeks ago, we got the word that the pandemic was going to prevent the churches from meeting physically. And we had never had an online experience before, ever. And uh, in about 48 hours, we discovered how to create an online experience. It was fast. And we looked around and we're like, what what, what are we going to do? What do we have? We have a video camera. Can God use video cameras? And we started streaming our services last weekend. Over 4,000 people watched our worship experiences. Edge Church has been growing. We, we didn't even know it. It's amazing. Use what you got. What you have is greater than you, than you think. And you put your resources with a word from God, it'll go kaboom in your life. Work with what you've got. Expand what you have. Now, here's the third thing. Write this down. Work with what you've got. But expand what you had. Now, for this woman to accomplish what she needed, she had to go gather up enough vessels to pour the oil into. Look at it right there. Then he said, go out and borrow empty containers from all your neighbors. Do not get just a few. In other words, you need to go crazy and get every last stinking one of these. Then go in and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour the oil into all these containers And set the full ones aside. So she left. And after she had shut the door behind her. And her sons. They kept bringing containers. And they kept pouring. And she kept pouring. And when they were full. She said to her son. Bring me another container. But he replied. There aren't any more. And then the oil stopped. 
So she had to multiply the containers that she had. I would imagine this woman was pouring oil into pretty much anything that could, could, could contain anything. She's going crazy. And I love this because Elisha doesn't just write her a check. Elisha empowers her to receive the power of God and to find her own miracle. I mean, you know, it's like if you get 150 jars, guess what? You have oil for 150 jars. If you get 25, then you get 25. Here's your shot, baby. God is working. God is moving. God is intervening. God has opened the divine spigot of heaven to pour out some oil. And what are you going to do with it? You got to hustle. God loves people who will hustle. God loves people who will do whatever it takes to accomplish what he has put before them. God loves that. God says, you know what? The more you hustle, the more blessing is going to be poured out on you. Start with what you have, but expand your capacity. And we ought to seek the counsel of God's word and of the people of God to help us get there. But I want you to see this. Don't dismiss the ordinary. Don't dismiss the ordinary. Now, make no mistake about it. This was a miracle. I mean, when there's oil in a jar and it keeps pouring beyond its capacity, something amazing happened. This is a miracle. But God used a lot of normal means to bring about a supernatural result. What, did the, what happened? The woman had oil in her home. The woman went and borrowed multiple vessels. The woman had to pour the oil out and so forth and so on. Sometimes we think that if God wants to do a miracle in our life that there has to be leprechauns and unicorns and rainbows and angelic choirs. Sometimes God's greatest work and God's greatest provision is, is just simply just simply working through the normal things that we already do. So God says, all right, you got some oil? Let's multiply the oil. I suspect if she would have said to the prophet that she had something else, that that something else would have been multiplied to pay off her debts. But, but she hustles, and she gets those jars ready, and Elisha empowers her to receive her miracle. Are you ready for God to pour out a blessing? If God poured out a blessing like this on your life today, would you be ready to receive it? Would you be ready to contain it? He says, gather not a few. I love the King James Version. Gather not a few. In other words, buddy, you, you need to go crazy. You need to, every favor you can pull in, every door you can knock on, everything that you can steal, borrow, rent, whatever you can do, get all you can, because the blessing's about to come. The blessing, gather not a few. And the size of your vessel will determine the size of your miracle. Now, God loves two types of vessels, clean vessels and empty vessels. And first, 2 Timothy actually says that we are God's vessels. He says, so if anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable... He will be a special instrument set apart, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. You're a vessel. A vessel is not just a piece of glass. A vessel is your body, it's your life. You're a vessel for God. 
And God uses two kinds of vessels. He uses vessels that are clean because if, if, if there's impurities there, God can use it at a, at a much di- more diminished level. If I want God to use me, I got to bring a clean vessel. And I got to have an empty vessel because if it's already filled up with something else, how can I put the oil into it? So I got to empty myself of my own pride and my own self-dependence. And when God finds clean and empty vessels, that's where God shows up. That's where God does his greatest work. We limit God by our faith and our obedience. If you want to damn the flow of God in your life, stop following what God has said and stop believing that he's going to intervene. Obedience and faith are God's gateways to see flow happen in your life. So we got to let that thing flow. Ian Bounds, the great devotional writer about prayer, says we are looking for better methods but God is looking for better men. We are God's vessels. We need God to flow in and through us. And when our heart is filled with obedience and faith, that's what begins to happen. But when you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. So the woman, she doesn't have this all figured out. All she knows is that the prophet said to get a bunch of vessels and to start pouring the oil. So what does she do? She does exactly what he's told her and instructed her to do. And I love this part where it says she shut the door because she goes into private. I believe that God's greatest work in your life will be done in and through the private. Expand what you have. But here's the fourth thing. Here's the fourth thing. Celebrate what you receive. Celebrate what you receive. Celebrate it. She went and told the man of God, And he said, go sell the oil, pay your debt. You and your sons can live on the rest. Okay, now here's what's awesome. He says this, God's providing for you today, pay off your debt, and God is providing for you tomorrow. That's the whole point of verse 7. I want to say to you today, God is going to provide for you today But God's going to provide for you tomorrow. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. God's got you today. God's got you tomorrow. God's provision is an awesome, awesome thing. But we ought to be celebrating what God is doing. I mean, I think as I look at my own spiritual life that I'm better at asking God for help that I am thanking him when the breakthrough comes. We want to be people that sit back and savor the moment. We want to enjoy what God has done in us and through us when he shows up in a big, bold way. We want to rejoice in that. You know, in Luke 15, the scripture says that when the prodigal son came home, there was a party. And we need to throw a party When the breakthrough happens. We need to throw a party when God intervenes. We need to throw a party when amazing things take place. When answered prayers come to fruition. We need to celebrate and we need to tell God, thank you Lord. Not, hey God, thanks. Here's the five other things I need you to do now. We need to just sit back and celebrate and give praise and celebration to God. Celebrate what you receive. She paid off the debt, 
and she lived on the rest. Now, she was just asking to pay off the debt. God over-delivers. Ephesians 3.20 says, God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, more than all we could hope for or imagine. I mean, that's the God that we serve. Luke chapter 6, verse 38 says, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured out into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. I mean, God is that kind of God. Pressed down, shaken together, overflowing. God is that kind of God. He really is. God is that kind of God. That God exceeds expectations. That's the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is simply this. God exceeded expectations. Humanity was dead in sin. God sent his Savior. He sent his own son. He died on a cross. He rose from the grave on the third day so that you and I could be free of the weight of sin. God exceeded expectations. God could have made us work for it. God could have made us achieve it, but he gave us mercy and grace in the person of Jesus, and God exceeded expectations because he is that kind of God. And I want to give you an opportunity in just a moment to ask this great God to come into your heart and into your life. Because the God that we serve, he's amazing. Ask for what you need. Use what you've got. Expand what you have and celebrate what you receive. God wants you to have a breakthrough as you are poured out and filled up. Would you pray with me for just a moment?